With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into episode 75 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, and as always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. I mean, it's hard not to be after a win like that. Man, what a, what a night in Stillwater. That, that was that was something else. That that was I think that, that cracks my list. I think that's number two on my list of games I've been to as a student. And, man, that was something else. I, I had a, just this weird feeling that Oklahoma State would find a way to win. I didn't think they actually would. I think it was just some sense of optimism with it being homecoming in a night game, primetime, all that stuff. But everything lined up, and Oklahoma State found a way to beat a pretty a good Texas team that definitely battled in the second half and found a way to hold on and, and get a victory. And kind of this could be a turning point in the season. So, look, it's not a lack of optimism. It's it's a bit of I didn't know that they could win because I hadn't seen anything out of them that showed me that they could. Now, right. we knew there'd be changes, there'd be adjustments, but we didn't know what they would be, how much they would be, what they would look like. Once they came out and that first drive, you knew this was a different offense. You Quickly, you could tell they changed the offense to fit Cornelius. The thing that we've been asking for on this pod for weeks if you're going to keep Cornelius in, that's fine, but change the offense to suit him. And they finally did, and it worked beautifully. And he was, by far, even even Tylen Wallace, Cornelius was the biggest benefactor of them finally building an offense around his skill set. Absolutely. He didn't feel like he had to do too much. You know, he, you know, he threw the ball downfield. And he threw it downfield pretty effectively last night. I'll grant it, Tylen Wallace is a grown-ass man, and he could go up and make these plays, but... He was making the throws he needed to. They never asked him to do too much. He was able to extend plays when he needed to. He, you know, if he needed a, a second, he could hand it off to Justice Hill, Chuba Hubbard. He was making plays in the zone read game. He won Oklahoma State the game on that third down, t- pulling the ball in the zone read to Hill. You know, he played as well as Oklahoma State needed him to play, and he gave his all the entire game. And no matter what you think of him, I tweeted it last night. That man plays his tail off for four quarters every game. And it showed again last night. Yeah, no, I agree. He absolutely did. And he, they used his legs. Well, he read the defense the best. I think he's done so far. Um, he does. He still made a few mistakes. He's really got to do a better job of realizing when his protection is breaking down. You know, he had, there was a couple of sacks mm-hmm. there that really cost them field position. That first missed field goal went from a 26-yarder to a 41-yarder yep, because he just, just like he didn't get rid of the ball. Like, he's got to do a better job, and he did later in the game, but he's got to do a better job of when it's not there, get rid of it. If it's not there, get 
rid of it, live to play another down, like instead of losing 11 and 12 yards. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And let, let's just go into Tywin Wallace for a second because, my goodness, that guy is special. He is, and I'm, I'm firing up the hot take cannon here, he is almost better now as a sophomore than James Washington is at catching 50-50 balls. Yeah, that it's is incredible uh, a hot take. what he is doing. Yeah, it's a, but he and I'm not saying he is or is already vastly better, but he has the timing down that I don't. I think it took James until like his junior year to get down on 50-50 balls at times, and when he can time the jump between two defenders on multiple occasions and make the play or just snag the ball out of the air, he's gonna be special, and he already is, and he's already incredible. I can only imagine what he's gonna do next year and the year after. If he decides to stay for a senior year, that is. You know, the two things I really noticed watching him is, A, his stride is like a gazelle. Like, the yes. stride that he has is ridiculous how smooth and clean and strong it is. The other thing is, if you want to make a similar, a slight comparison to Blackman, is his ability yes. to, his rate catch radius seems pretty wide. I remember when Blackman was playing at OSU, and they used to do those sports science takes on uh, things on ESPN. Yeah. And they did one where they showed that his catch radius was like the size of a garage door with Justin Blackman, which was I, – I saw that. was like that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. That's – he's a freak. I think Wallace has a similar catch radius where he can go and if it's it's high, it's too far to the left, it's too far in front of him, he's going to be able to get that ball. And and he showed that in this game. I mean, Texas's defense is not a joke. And neither is their secondary. I mean, I know the starting corners were out for the first quarter, but they came back in the second quarter. They were there in the third, and he was still just beating the snot out of them left and right yeah. in the second quarter. Now, obviously, he 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 pulled back a bit in the second half. That was a lot to do with the offense as a whole. But, man, that was ridiculous. And against – just think about going against teams whose defensive backfields aren't as good as Texas's. Like, they're going to have to scheme their asses off to keep him in check. Yeah, and it's amazing what he's able to do. And I, I knew he was going to be talented, and I knew, and I had been telling people at the end of last year, like, this guy's going to be really good. I never thought he would be the far and away number one option in the passing game already, but he is proving his worth, and he is proving that he's one of the best receivers in the country already. And I think for him to get Belenikov notice is not out of the question. I don't think he'll obviously don't think he'll win it, but I think to be even considered right now is a very viable option. If he continues continues on the path that he's on right now, um, I'd be shocked if he wasn't a finalist. I know mm-hmm. his record's not going to be great. <clears throat> he may not. Ha- I think he's like the number five receiver in the country right now. Basically, mm-hmm. you have to. It, it's going to be hard not to argue he should be a finalist if he continues to put up performances like he did against Texas. Now, I just wrote a piece about Tylen uh, and his Saturday performance. You could make an argument that is one of the five best receiving performances during the Mike Gundy era. Um, <clears throat> there have mm-hmm. been nine games where a receiver had at least 200 yards or more in a game. Uh, he didn't have the most yards. He didn't have the most touchdowns. But he did it most of his damage in a half. And he did it against the highest ranked opponent of any of those games. The only other ranked was uh, Justin Blackman's game in 2011 against Kansas State. Otherwise, it came they came against the Baylors when they were bad at Kansas's and Houston. Like, this was 
against probably the best defense anyone's had an amazing performance against for Oklahoma State. You could it, it's there's a legitimate argument there to make that this was one of the best, if not top five, top three receiving performances during the Mike Gundy era. And that's incredible. And he's only and he's halfway through his sophomore season, a little more than halfway through his sophomore season. That's incredible. Yeah. And let's talk let's talk a little bit about special teams. I know you have a point to make, but I'm gonna make mine first here. I firmly believe that Zach Signer won Oklahoma State that game last or last night. Yeah. At that point, now granted, he didn't have the greatest punts at times, but he was able to at least not outkick his coverage. But that punt down to the two yard line in the fourth quarter there was huge. Because not only it set up Texas, who is kind of on their heels, you know, even though they're making a comeback, Oklahoma State still kind of had them there for a little bit. You had the student section paddle people right behind him. You force a three and out. Should have gotten a safety, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and you force a punt out of the back of their end zone. And Stoner gets the um, Dylan Stoner gets the fair catch on the 35-yard line. Oklahoma State gets into the end zone and scores. And I don't think if he gets that punt where that is, I think that game could have turned out a little bit differently. And I think I don't know if Oklahoma State would have won if it wasn't for that punt. That was his best punt of the game. I will remind you that um, the Texas returner kind of ran backwards, seemed to be confused where he was. So there was a little bit of a, a goof on Texas's part along with that punt. And yes, it was a safety, but they called the holding call on the wrong offensive lineman. Thank you, Big 12 refs. Oh, that's what it was? They called it on 77. 77 didn't hold. The one that was holding was in the end zone when he was holding. They called it on the wrong offensive lineman, which was why Gundy was so pissed off, was because literally you call it on the wrong one, and there's no review for that. Like, I don't even know how that – that's absolutely Texas and football, Kansas and basketball kind of Big 12 ref nonsense. Um, Right. Yeah, my special teams point – we got to talk about the the kickoffs. Um, first kickoff of the game for OSU went out of bounds. That is the fifth kickoff that go out of bounds this season for Oklahoma State. That's stupid. That is That's ridiculous, and that is absolutely unacceptable. How are you kicking the ball off out of bounds? That's just poor technique. That's like hire a special teams coordinator. Because someone who's good at their job makes sure this doesn't happen anymore. That is unacceptable. Fix yeah. that. I don't no, care if you I'm, have to find another guy to kick. Fix that now. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I think, I mean, McClure has a leg, and that's very obvious because he's he's able to get touchbacks for the most part on his kicks. But it looks like at times he overstrides and hits the ball fat, and that's why it kind of it veers off to the left and it hooks. So I think a lot of, I don't know if it's just not getting enough reps in practice and not seeing that repetition. I don't know what it is, but man, that, yeah, that needs to be fixed. I, I haven't, it's unacceptable to have that many kicks. I understand once in a while you just miss hit a ball, but that's a pattern if you're doing it that many times in a season. I mean, yeah, that's, that's five times in eight games. Yeah, that's, that's bad. Not good. It's bad. Uh, yeah, I guess let's talk about the defense a little bit. I thought in the first half that they played pretty well, obviously holding Texas to 14 points. Second half, it looked like they just went to a little bit more prevent and allowed them to score a little bit more and just kind of let them play a little Looked like they played a little bit more bend, don't break, which I didn't like because it really let Texas back in the game. Um, but overall, I thought A.J. Green and Darius Williams did a pretty good job on Colin Johnson and Lil Jordan Humphrey. 
and was able to kind of keep, hold them in check for the most part. AJ Green did a great job on Colin Johnson for the first part of that uh, that half. Green had a that was probably one of the Green's best performances at OSU. He did an amazing yes. job. Throw that bullshit pass interference call on the first drive out. That was garbage. But Green had a great game. Now, yes, I think there was a little bit of prevent, but I also think that in the when Texas started making a comeback. Uh, Ellinger was just making some amazing throws. I yeah. think he was putting some ball. Like they were well defended plays where the the offense the, the throw was just better than the defense. Like you, there's yeah. nothing. Sometimes there's just nothing you can do, and they were some pinpoint perfect throws. Um, so into the defense's defense, I think they played pretty well in the second half. Texas just kind of found some rhythm, and Ellinger just put some some beautiful passes out there to help Texas. Now that last Texas touchdown, that was a bend don't break. That was absolutely trying to make sure that they ran as much clock as possible. If Texas was going to score, it was going to take them as much clock as possible to do it. So I, I, and I was okay with it. Look, they're going to give them five yards, five yards, five yards. And Texas wasn't moving all that fast, which also didn't make any sense whatsoever. If you really watch them, they weren't moving with much urgency despite being down two scores. So I don't – so Texas kind of played that in, into Oklahoma State's hands in that. The last – you know, the last – they did get a couple of big plays in it, but but I was okay with the strategy there of five yards, five yards, five yards, five yards, let them keep running the clock. I don't, I don't mind that when you're up two scores because if you are worth your salt, you're A, going to be able to get a first down with a minute and a half left, or B, going to make sure to recover an onside punt like they did – both which Oklahoma State did both of to be able to, to put that game away. Right. Now, and I'm not trying to knock the defense at all, but like it, you know, they, they scored a couple quick and I think it mostly tied into the fact that the offense was going three and out and then the defense going right back on the field. So I think that had a lot of that played into it as well. The defense was getting tired there in the second half, but I agree. they were able to, they were able to keep Oklahoma State in the game. Even when the offense was struggling, they were able to force Texas to punt. And it wasn't like Texas was just running rough shot over him in the second half. So I think to a lot of that credit, the defense played well enough to keep Oklahoma State in the game, even when the offense started to sputter a little bit there in the second half as Texas adjusted on defense. Um, do we want to talk about what happened at the end of the game with uh, Breck and Hager kind of going after Tyron Johnson and the whole chaos of Gundy running on the field and then Herman running after him and all that? Or do we just leave that as is? Okay, so I'll make a couple points. Hey. Brecken Hager is Texas's version of Calvin Bundage. Let's just call it like it is. Every Fair. you hate that guy on every team, but you love him on yours. That's what Hager is. He is our Calvin Bundage. He may be a little more cockier and more arrogant, but he is he is Calvin Bundage. Um, <clears throat> he makes boneheaded mistakes. He's really super talented. You love him when he does great things. You hate him when he doesn't. Um, so so for Hager, I don't think that was some planned thing. I think Johnson was talking shit. And Hager got mad and decided to do something about it in a game they were about to lose, and he lost his cool. Where I have the problem is, so Gundy came out, and if you really watch the game, you could tell Gundy was saying to his players, get back, stay out of the fight. Herman apparently believed that Gundy was going out and yelling at one of the Texas players, and Herman took offense to that. Uh, that's not what Gundy was doing. Um, I'm, I guess I kind of understand you want to defend your player. But my problem is this. You believing another head coach ran out to yell at your player tells me all I need to know about you. Yep. That, you that's are immature that you think somebody like Gundy is going out to yell at an opposing team's player. 
are you kidding me? That was your excuse. I don't buy that excuse entirely. Here's the problem. It's either A, that's a lie, um, and he just got mad uh, and frustrated and is still immature, uh, or that's really what he thought, and then and that's what you think Gundy is doing is going to yell at your player. Tom Herman is immature. Uh, you you see that in every press conference he has. He makes ridiculous statements. He's super arrogant. Uh, he's great when they're winning. When they're losing, I'm like, uh, I just, I mean, you've seen him on the sidelines doing childish antics towards other players. Uh, Tom Herman is immature. His immaturity showed again. Uh, it's 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 water under the bridge. We move on. There's no long lasting effects of this. Gundy was the man this time. But I could also make the point that Tom Herman right now kind of reminds me a bit of Mike Gundy when Mike Gundy was young and first starting out as a head coach at OSU. There is some immaturity. There was immaturity then. You really want to talk about the I'm a man, I'm 40, like it's funny to look back at it now, but at the time it was really not a great thing. I think Tom Herman still has a lot of growing up to do as a head coach. And I think that was on display again on Saturday. Yeah, I'm with you. I I. You know, I didn't see initially what happened. It looked like Hager was trying to go after Cornelius from where I was sitting. That was like, I didn't see Tyron Johnson. So I was like, what is going on? I was more, you know, I was like, okay, ball game. And I was getting excited. And I was like, whoa, what is going on? So I had to go back and watch it a little bit. And it was, it, it was an interesting end to a, a very interesting game. That's for sure. Yeah. He but, was going after Johnson because Johnson was yeah. talking. Yeah. I, I couldn't see that from where I was at, but you know what? It, it worked out and. Oklahoma State still got the win, so I'll, you know, we'll take it. Yeah. So what do you think? I know you're still not, you're, you know, not going now and, you know, like kind of overreacting like some Oklahoma State fans are. This is the thing that turns the season around. We're going to find a way to win all these games and stuff. How do you think this is going to affect the rest of the season? I think they found an offense that works, and as long as they stick to it, they have – We've known all season Oklahoma State has weapons. You've got Justice Hill. You've got Chuba Hubbard. You've got Talon Wallace. You've got Tyron Johnson. You've got Dylan Stoner. You've got weapons on offense. You've got some good weapons on defense. That it was so shocking to watch this offense completely sputter with those kinds of guys on the roster. Now it looks like they've found an offense that works. If they stick with it, and and, and considering the fact that they've basically only been running it for you know one game, uh, if it continues to improve, if if Corndog still continues to get better and play this way, um, man, I, I feel optimistic. I'm not booking a ticket to a bowl game yet because we're still a win short. And I, you could say this is a it could be a one off thing. You know, you three of your last four games are on the road. Do I feel immensely more optimistic today than I did last week, two weeks ago? Yes, obviously. Uh, you've got a fifth win. You beat Texas, uh, who's you know ranked number six. You got to feel good. They can find one more win over either Baylor. Um, no, I don't, I don't feel good about going to Oklahoma. But between yeah. at Baylor, home for West Virginia, and at TCU, who lost to Kansas on Saturday, you've got to feel good about one, maybe even two more wins somewhere in there. I'm not going to. I would still say Baylor and TCU are the two best chances for that. I'd feel really, really good if they just went ahead and beat Baylor this coming Saturday, got to six wins, and I could kind of sit back comfortably for the rest of the way. But I feel better about it right now, but I'm still not ready to to, to proclaim OSU's headed to a bowl game yet. 
I'm with you on that. I think it definitely feels a lot better than if Oklahoma State really had to win two of their final four, which I just don't necessarily see right now. Obviously, this weekend will tell me a little bit more against Baylor in a game that Oklahoma State, I think, has a good chance to win. Um, I, I feel better about it now. I think they can ride the momentum of this game. But that also, you know, the converse of that is this could, there could also be a major letdown, coupled with the fact that Baylor just absolutely got whooped on Thursday against West Virginia, and they could come back and, fight, and you know, after getting punched in the mouth, they do that to us. So yeah. two yeah. things could happen here, and I think it could go either way. Obviously, the optimist and the, the Oklahoma State fan in me wants me to believe that Oklahoma State can find a way to just ride this momentum you know, coming off the bye week, beating our number six team, and then going on the road and continuing that momentum. If they run a similar type of offense and the defense keeps Oklahoma State in the game, that's another recipe for Oklahoma State to find a way to rattle off a couple wins here at the end of the season and finish above 500, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the season feels good right now. This is the obviously, obviously the most optimistic we've felt since Boise State. Uh, we'll talk more about Baylor uh, later this week. But I never feel good going on the road to face a team that just got walloped, um, mm-hmm. that was embarrassed. And that's what happened to Baylor against West Virginia. They got embarrassed. Um, I never feel good facing a team like that because that's a team that is hungry and angry and ready to to take out that frustration on whoever's next on the schedule. And unfortunately, that's OSU in Waco. I don't feel comfortable about that. Um, so, like I said, we'll talk more about it. But at this point... It's very much a, I would be shocked at this point if OSU doesn't get to a bowl game, but I need to see, um, I need to see another good performance out of this team like we saw on Saturday. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, but like I said, we'll get more into Baylor next week, so or not later this week, so we'll have, have a little more to talk about. Hopefully we can, you know, move things along here and Hopefully the season keeps going. I mean, this is that that gave me a lot of hope considering that two weeks ago I said I don't think Oklahoma State wins a game the rest of the season. So that they, they they proved me wrong in a way, even though I kind of had this little inkling to find a way to win. I don't know how or why. I really didn't have any rhyme or reason to it. It just felt like one of those days that Oklahoma State would find a way to pull out a victory against a team that they had no business finding a way to beat. So I think it was the power of Barry Sanders in the uniforms. Can we chalk it up to that a little bit? I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll, I'll allow that. That's, let's just say this. The offensive line played out of its mind for the first quarter because the uh, war pigs were there. Let's go with that. Yep. Well, well I'm, I'm, fine with, I'm fine with using that. That, that stadium, when I, I had just gotten off of work, and I had just walked into the stadium trying to find my fiance to go sit with her and watch the game, and they, brought, they cut to the commercial break, and they, had, they honored Barry and the war pigs, and that was one of the loudest points in the game for that stadium. And it really kind of re-energized everybody there. Because I think Oklahoma State had punted on the first couple drives or like first couple drives of the second quarter and just kind of were losing a little bit of that rhythm. And they came out and scored on the next drive. So it was it was awesome to see. It was so cool. Everyone was chanting Barry, Barry. It was it was a fun it was a fun atmosphere last night in that stadium. Can we just get Barry to go to every game like the rest Please. of the season? Like Barry, do we need your favor? Um, we're gonna need you to do the halftime speech at Baylor, um, at OU, at West Virginia, at TCU. That way they can come out in the second half and and be motivated and uh, and ready to really kick tail. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a uh, it was it was fun. It was so cool to see him there. Um, obviously, you know, it's homecoming. It's a really cool time for everyone to come back and enjoy the university. That's, 
you know, meant so much to them and taking all the money of the students currently and, you know, all that stuff. So it's, you know, it's funny. It was my last homecoming as a student too. So it was a little bittersweet, but I'm glad I was able to see another win. Uh, you know, four wins on homecoming was uh, pretty special. Yeah. That's a, it's nice, man. That's nice. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this episode. Uh, I feel like we covered a lot and I think uh, it gives us a little bit of, you know, a little bit of hope for the rest of the season. That was a huge win for Oklahoma state and one of the better ones that we've seen in the last few years. And hopefully let's, let's ride the momentum into Waco next Saturday. Uh, Philip, where can they follow you on Twitter? Follow me personally at OKTXAR poke Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas. Follow my show, the 1012 podcast cover all 10 teams in the big 12 conference. Follow it uh, on iTunes or SoundCloud or on Twitter at 1012podcast. It's at the number 10, the number 12, the word podcast. All right, you can follow me at JT Penfield and be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. Stay locked onto the site. We'll have a bunch of good stuff recapping this game and getting ready for Baylor on Saturday. And we'll be back on Thursday with the next episode of the podcast. We'll see you all then. <laughs>